This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 362 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Adam, all by myself today, and I am so excited for you to hear the conversation that I had for this particular episode. Uh, I got to sit down in Washington, D.C. while I was at the ALA conference with Gilly Siegel and Kimberly Jones, and they are the co-authors of I'm Not Dying With You Tonight, which I, I mentioned this in the episode Uh, conversation, but I think this is the most important young adult book to come out since The Hate You Give. Um, It's this very powerful story of these two young women. One of them is African-American, one of them is Caucasian, and they are in a scenario where they have to survive a night together while there's a riot going on in their town. And it's such a unique style. Uh, It's a book that I don't think one person could have written by themselves. Uh, Gili is Caucasian, and Kim is African-American and they have this really phenomenal rapport where they are completely comfortable in their own skin and uh, with each other having these conversations that um, can sometimes be taboo about race and racism and how people see each other. Uh, But because they're so close, they're able to have honest conversations. And what came of that is this book that really I hope every single school uh, child, white or black, reads this book. Um, it really gives you a look into people's eyes that uh, you may not be, you know, have ever met before, or you may not know anything about the, you know, their particular culture and just because of where you live. Uh, so I, I think this book is so important. I'm so so excited that people are finally going to be able to to enjoy it. It's going to be out in the world this week. Uh, if you're listening to this on the day the podcast comes out, which is Monday, the title will be out on Tuesday, uh, August sixth. But Go get this book. It's phenomenal. Um, it's a very serious book, obviously, but this conversation is very lighthearted. Uh, Gili and Kim are both very funny, and so we had a lot of fun. Uh, it was great. I, I did uh, my best trying to reel these two in, um, but I think you'll really, really enjoy it. And along those lines, speaking of dealing with young adult content and teenagers, uh, I'm really excited to let you know about a new podcast that is a part of the Evergreen Podcast channel that we belong to, um, and it's called Your Teen with Sue and Steph. It's the perfect podcast companion for parents of teenagers, who I'm sure some of you out there listening to this particular episode are. Uh, So Susan Borison and Stephanie Silverman are best friends, and they're also co-founders of Your Teen Media. Uh, and they're bringing their beloved magazine to life. So they have interviews with experts and authors. Uh, they have discussions about trending topics and personal stories. Uh, your teen with Sue and Steph, it's a kind of an essential guide, really, to raising teenagers today. I personally don't have any teenage children, but I still enjoy this podcast. Um, it, it's a nice way, I feel like, especially combined with this conversation with Geely and Kim, uh, it gives you an ability to not only better understand how to speak with teenage children but also I think this particular book uh, will be a nice way to have an entry point to have conversations with your children about certain things so really good stuff Uh, go check that out you can find it on 
the Evergreen Podcast channel, or you can always do the very simple thing, which I'm sure most of us do. Just go to iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts and just look up your teen with Sue and Steph. Okay, if you want to get a hold of us, if you have any feedback or any questions or anything like that, you can always go to professionalbooknerds.com. You can email us at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at probooknerds. Uh, and then, of course, if you don't mind, go into iTunes, give us a little five-star rating. It takes two seconds. If you're listening to us on the iTunes, uh, or rather the podcast app uh, on your iPhone, just open up our podcast, scroll just a little bit down, and you will see the ability to just tap five stars, and it really helps people find us a little bit more easily, so we really appreciate it. That's something that means a lot to us as podcasters. So, okay. That is all of the housekeeping that I think I have for you. So I'm going to let you enjoy this conversation with Geely Siegel and Kimberly Jones on the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. Hi, everybody. It's Adam, and this is going to be tough. Um, I am sitting here with Geely Siegel. Perfect. Nailed it. And Kimberly Nailed Jones, it. whose name I can definitely Honest. say, Honus. Uh, they're the co-authors of I'm Not Dying With You Tonight, a book that I seriously, we're going to laugh a lot, but I can't overstate how important this book is. And it's, I told my wife and everyone who will listen, I think this is the next hate you give. I think it's the most important book that I have read in so long. Thank you guys for joining me, first off. Thank you for having us. I you have just blew my broke mind. Blew our Kim, minds. I have broke yeah. Kim. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, so we always start our episodes, and I feel like it's going to be important to do this first. Is Can I have you guys introduce all of our listeners to the book yes. before we get off topic? Okay. <laughs> Geely is better than that than Kim is. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to let Geely introduce the book. Take okay. it from here. So yeah. I'm Not Dying With You Tonight is the story of two girls, one black, one white, who get trapped in a race riot in their school and have no choice but to work together to survive the night. That was, you've done that before. That yes. was a really good... I practiced good in front of it. my mirror. That was a really good pitch. That's very succinct. Okay. How did this project come together? Did you guys... Clearly, you two have a... Which people will soon learn. A great rapport. Yeah. <laughs> a great we, friendship. What are you talking about? Well, it started with Geely being obsessed with me. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. And so... Literally true. That is the fact. She admits it publicly. I do. And so she was lurking around me one day. I used to be the store manager for Little Shop of Stories in Decatur, Georgia. And she was like, and we were friends. We had been in a book club together for adult women who like YA called the Not So YA Book Club. Exceptional. Um, and so one day I'm at work, working my shift, and I'm like helping customers. And there's Geely just like lurking around, clearly not wanting anyone else to help her. And just kind of like waving by me. And I'm just like, what do you want, and so she came over and she had like all of these like bullet points on why we should write a book together and I just turned and looked at her and was like you had me and I want to write a book with you it was very Jerry Maguire is this true yes you had bullet points I did I'm a lawyer by day And uh-huh. so I had like I prepared all my arguments, like and I'm like, I'm gonna convince her why this is a good idea, and maybe she's gonna want writing samples. And I went in, and she was like, two sentences in, you had me at let's write together. Okay, mm-hmm. so how did writing together go? Because that is such a unique yeah. experience when two people. I've had people tell us they do it like over Skype and over email and. I'm guessing you did this in person. Yes. We did it mostly in person. We tried to do it separately for a long time, and it just 
it, the pace of it was taking too long to do that. We live in the same city and both of us have fairly flexible schedules. And so we discovered that we were better when we were together. Um, so for almost two years now, with the exception of a few Fridays due to traveling and things like that, we consistently um, on Friday mornings get together and write. Um, and we do it on other days too, on Saturdays and stuff. But it became a writing space in Atlanta for Atlanta writers and everybody from Nick Stone to Marie Marcourt has joined us for these Friday morning writes. Yeah. My eyes just got real big. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, Geely makes breakfast for everybody and she like gets every, and she, fun fact, the only person in the world who knows how to make my coffee the way that I like it is Geely. Also true. How and is, I will, yeah. How is this coffee made? It's diabetic. <laughs> oh. It's, it's it's like more sugar than it's anything It's mostly milk and sugar and a, and a splash of coffee for color. It's the only way to drink coffee, <laughs> coffee. which is it. You should try it. You is that how you it. also drink your coffee? Yes. You two are monsters. Yeah. <laughs> the best Black kind coffee. of monsters. I'm going to have you over for coffee and you're going to change I'm going mind. to hate it because it's I like... It's you like, dessert. I want coffee. I want it bitter like my soul. I yeah. want it. My brother, for a while he wanted to do that bulletproof coffee thing where you like put butter. That's so yeah. weird. Did he do it? He, yeah, he for a while he worked with me and he'd be like let's do it every morning and I like my morning coffee it's one of my favorite things mm-hmm. and he was ruining it for me and it was like, cut it out I mean I will admit that, that I, I like cheap coffee I like instant coffee and I like I will put, doctor it with whatever you offer me the only one that has ever made me bulk is butter yeah. it's terrible it's and you terrible. also put it sounds like, wrong it some kind of oil in it <laughs> I wanted to say THC, but that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> that's it's a so different podcast, different, Adam. That's a different podcast and a different cup of coffee. Um, today, it sounds like a healing cup of coffee. Yeah. It also probably be a really long podcast. Um, okay, so... But when probably you guys, not any less pandering than we're about probably, to be. Yeah. So when you two are writing, they're like, is it... I'm just so fascinated when two people can write together. I'm so protective of my own words that if I was working with someone else and they're like, that sentence isn't great, I'd be like, how dare. So how do you guys collaborate? So with this one, in the first draft, we each primarily took responsibility for one of the characters. One character is black. That's an element of an identity that Kim shares with her. And so she primarily wrote Lena and I primarily wrote Campbell. Um, But over the course of revising, which is when we think the real work of writing gets done, um, we worked within one another's chapters for continuity and for consistency and for flow. And we, I, I think we got much less precious about it over mm-hmm. the course of time. Yeah. But we also learned that, and I think this is my favorite lesson, um, compromise does not mean meeting in the middle. Sometimes mm-hmm. compromise means one of the two of you wins the argument because they are more passionate about their point. Yeah. And we were, the book was always better served for following the passion. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and also we have we have different strengths, and so we learned early on what those strengths were and what each other's weaknesses were, and, and so instead of like fighting over, I want to own this, we were just like, what are you good at? What am I good at? Yeah. And let's utilize our strengths, and then we could totally write a kickbook. Like dialogue is my thing. Yeah, surprise, surprise. Yes, I love <laughs> quippy master. conversation, and she's and, a master of it. Yeah, and Geely is really good in like I come from screenwriting background, mm. and so Geely is really good at traditional book structure mm-hmm. and like plotting the story out and that kind of thing. So we we followed that. Like Geely would make sure that you know it was because if you left it up to me, there'd be like eighty six <laughs> pages of dialogue, right? Yeah. Her whole so, sections would be dialogue. Yeah, yeah like, like a Kevin. We need Smith to know movie. where they. Exactly. What do they think? We need. What are their thoughts? Yeah. yeah, and I'm like, I don't need to get them across when we're gonna see that. And she's like, that's not a movie. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, that makes. I that honestly just makes. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of sense we guys are talking about because the book the Campbell and Lena go Lena 
Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. And I'm really worried about names. So I don't know <laughs> like this. Made you paranoid. Seriously, <laughs> um, but they, two things that I specifically remember yes. noticing is there isn't ever a time where it feels like they're just stuck in one place. Like they, ironically, because they are often stuck in certain places yes. when they're trying to overcome various situations in this yeah. riot that they're undergoing. But it always felt like it was moving. Yeah. And I specifically said to somebody, it's like, the dialogue feels so real. Like it's so hard to write, especially between two teenagers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's hard to write dialogue that feels natural, and especially two teenagers who come from wildly different places. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it yeah. feels so real. And oh, I, thank you. I, thank I you. definitely can see how yeah. Both parts of that going. Yeah, Kim's yeah. cinematic background I think really helped us because she's she brings that perspective that this needs to move, whether mm. it's emotional movement or physical movement. Um, I think her cinematic background really helped us avoid. Yeah, because in stagnant. movies, if it doesn't push the the story along, you cut it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. It also is helpful if the story takes place over the course of one night. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There were there was no time to waste. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and they're characters. in imminent danger, so they have to be conscious of where they are at every moment, which mm -hmm. means if where they are is not okay, they, they have, have to, to go. go. Yeah, I, yeah. I also love that they both have emotional arcs, and it's almost like, like an XY graph. I'm using yeah. my hands on a podcast, which is great. <laughs> we see you. That's what's important. But like, they, it feels like they... I, I am imagining for you guys it was really important that they both have emotional arcs where they oh, yes. change. For yes. sure. For yes. sure. We'd like to say the book is as much about perspective as it is about race mm. and how the perspective that each of these two characters enters the novel with yeah. and the one that they exit. And hopefully it's not the same one. Hopefully they are transforming mm -hmm. um, as they go through these events. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't yeah. want to give anything away, but it does feel like they grow up a little bit. They grow up a little bit, yeah. And they have a new understanding about where the woman came from and all that kind of thing type of situation yeah right? yeah um when people read the book they'll notice that it goes back and forth from their points of view mm -hmm. and what i really loved about that is because they're so different it was it's almost like jarring in a good way mm -hmm. as a reader and because i feel like there's a lot of times where i'll be reading a book and if it's the same voice over and over I'm like it's a good book but it's like i find myself like skipping you know doing the whole like read the first and last sentence as like a paragraph <laughs> and like i get it but with this it kept me from being comfortable i guess as a reader oh, good. and yeah. i feel like and it, that felt like it mirrored their experience like did you guys yes. do that by design like okay we need to go from campanolina back and forth Was that by yes. design yeah so originally what happened was we first started in the first very terrible draft of this book um it, it was like she'd write like a campbell chapter and then i'd write that exact same moment and alita and alina channel and it chapter and it was actually with david arnold who was like no ma'am that don't do that. Was that does not work. It was. <laughs> it, was it just that you were repeating moments? Yes. Or? We were like we repeat the exact same chapter, right? Just from their perspective, and it was like you can get that same from keeping the story mm -hmm. flowing, as mm -hmm. opposed to no one's going to read want to read the same chapter twice, yeah. yes. just with a different so voice. Almost like turn the same book in two different. Yes, and it was jarring to jump back in time. Yeah. yeah. People, so the structure didn't work. But what it but what it pushed us to do is say what's critical about. What does this character bring to this scene, and why should we see it through her eyes? And there were definitely times where we took a scene that we had originally seen in Campbell's eyes and put it in Lena's because mm -hmm. it was more compelling for that moment to be interpreted through Lena and vice yeah. versa. Yeah. Well, and you, there's there are parts that you do see the same moment though in each of their eyes. And, like it, it'll be like a chapter will finish, and then you'll do the beginning of the next chapter of like it's almost like Just you go back like two ends. minutes yeah. kind of thing. and yeah. I do really love that it's getting yeah. again it's like forcing your perspective to, to yeah. rethink because so mm -hmm. often when you read a book it's you know you people create a world and there's a million potential stories in that world and we really only read one yeah. but it's showing you 
just that little subtle way of being like, oh, this is yeah. like Campbell sitting here quietly while Luna talks to her cousin. It's like, yeah. oh, well, let's look, let's listen yeah. in on Campbell's head, how she's feeling in this she's moment. freaking out. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, we like to say growth comes from discomfort. And mm-hmm. if you get to the end of a chapter and you're like, okay, I'm comfortable with where these characters are and how they feel about this situation. And then you jump into somebody else's head and you realize that character is not comfortable or yeah. their perspective on this is wildly different. I think we like the idea of, and we that happened to us certainly I think one of the things that I learned writing this is no matter how well intentioned I am and no matter how much I assume I understand I don't if it's not my lived experience mm-hmm. and being comfortable saying I don't know mm-hmm. um, and growing from that discomfort was an enormous part of the process yeah and I think that one of the things that Geely and I have learned and like discovered as we've been going through this entire process is that part of what if I <laughs> to get on my soapbox for 10 seconds <laughs> um, um, Part of what we are concerned about that's happening in the world right now is the lack of nuance. Mm-hmm. That people are he feel you need to be either starkly one way or starkly in the in another way, and that we've lost the enjoyment of gray. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, even though this is a book about a girl who's black and white, we like to think that that exactly those moments you talk about where you see the transition from mm-hmm. one perspective to the other gives you a little bit more nuance and like what it is yeah. that's happening for these girls and their perspective and that it's not just black and white and mm-hmm. that it's not um there is not like um it's not fair to just give a voice in in a certain in a situation to one person right. one person cannot if you go and you watch the news and you talk to six people who are on the scene, you're going to get six different stories, mm-hmm. you know? And so that's what we tried to do was to give voice to more than one person and yeah. more than one understanding. Well, and I think it's just a lot about you guys' you know, friendship and relationship that you're able to do that because, like, in all honesty, it very easily, could, you could have very easily looked at her and been like, this is not an experience you and you know anything about you you can't touch this chapter or yeah. you know, that, I think it says a lot about you guys to be able to like sit down and be like okay here's how this particular person might react in this situation yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, yeah. that's there's a lot of people who wouldn't be able to sit down together yeah. and, and be honest yeah being friends first helped <clears throat> yeah and mm-hmm. we carved out space in the friendship to talk about really difficult topics mm-hmm. it certainly helped to know that the other person was coming to it from a place of love and mm-hmm. respect we had hard moments we had moments where it was like you don't get it Mm -hmm. right what you're suggesting i say or do here is is not authentic to my experience Mm -hmm. and having i think we tried very hard to like sit sit with that and hear and hear the other person when that would happen we would stop writing yeah like for for the rest of that session and then come back to it because we would say okay this is a moment that needs to be processed (laughs) yeah you know a, a Sometimes, sometimes a quick answer is not the right answer. Mm-hmm. And so we would like take a beat and take a second and okay, and say, okay, let's both take a step back from this and yeah. like come back to it with like fresh perspective and fresh eyes mm-hmm. and then fix it on another day. Let's like eat um, snacks right now. Snacks yes. are important. Yeah. Sure. Snacks are really helpful. Snacks are like everything. <laughs> yes. um, I, I agree. As I can hear some eating snacks in there. Um, I, I feel like we, on the podcast, and just in general, there's been this huge conversation about diversity in books, obviously, and We Need Diverse Books does an amazing job with it and everything, but I think something that gets kind of swept aside is, it's not just diversity, it's for me, I'm more interested in inclusion, and Mm -hmm. not only having stories that have diverse cast of characters, but what you guys did is you have this cast of these two wildly different young ladies who are being a part of each other's story. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think that 
there could be a, a singular person that could write a story like that. Like, yeah. I, I just and I feel like inclusion is something no one really thinks about. It's like, okay, I want a book with a queer protagonist, mm -hmm. but if that queer protagonist, maybe there's a straight person who that queer writer. She's the, they'll, they'll say like I've never been a straight person so I can't understand how they would think about me yeah vice versa. like were they Adam and Becky are doing that a great job of that yes. right yeah yeah fabulous job yeah yeah I think we strongly agree if either one of us had not wanted to write this book or mm -hmm. had at some point in the, the, during the neither course of, of it, us should have written it and, yeah. and I think we would have stopped yeah neither one of us would have gone forward if the other hadn't been a partner in it so yeah. given how connected you two see like literally you guys look like, like <laughs> two halves of a whole to me at this Aww. point yeah, that's adorable good job <laughs> Adam said adorable thing yeah. um, but were there scenes where like it felt like out of your comfort zone to write together like were there moments when you're like I don't know no we also had a safe word yes which is a word that you could say to say that I'm uncomfortable mm -hmm. in this moment and like you you get to say the safe word and then you almost get like free range to say whatever's on your mind yes. at that moment and so um it was a, a level of honesty that i don't think most people will ever probably have uh -huh. with a friend yeah. or in a situation like that and it's like this word means that that what i am about to say is something i could never say in public ever mm -hmm. and that I need to say it only to you in order to do proper justice yeah. to this piece of work that we're trying to do mm -hmm. and just know that I would never ever do or say anything to harm you mm -hmm. but I don't know how to move forward if I don't say this mm -hmm. that is yeah. uh, so smart I yeah because okay. those genuinely honest conversations are so rare yes yeah it's hard to enter those conversations. Yeah. I, I think as a white person, sometimes what I lack what? is the ability... Shocker. I just found oh, that out today. Oh, revelation here on the podcast. <laughs> the things you think you know about people. <laughs> Please, continue while I continue laughing quietly in the background. <laughs> I'll post a picture of this. Um, where was I going with that? I don't know, white lady. <laughs> well, wait, 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 lady. Uh, yeah. And that I am at 17. White lady. Thanks, <laughs> Kim. Uh, um, it can be hard to enter the conversation. <laughs> so, man. minion time. I'm back. I'm loose. The amount we're laughing, such a serious book. So this is also us. Sometimes it shocks me that we did write such a heavy and serious book because we are it's not, not what people expect from us. People. Because we are the definition of shenanigans. No, but I actually, it's funny you say that. Yeah. But I have talked to so many people who will write like every author I've ever met who's a horror author, mm -hmm. like. Bar none. They are all the most bubbly, outgoing, like little tiny sprites of a human that I've That's ever met. Amazing, yeah. right? But they say like they get all the crazy out. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, so you get, is, like, get all your pain. Like all your serious. We all want to out. be something else. So when I worked at Little Shop, I used to um, do a, a summer camp called Heroes and Villains, and it was me and Marcy Cornell, who is one half of the podcast Newberry Tart. And Marcy was the hero counselor, and I was the villain counselor. And the first day, they fill out a super school application, and they check at the top if they wanted to go to super school or villain school so they want to be with me or marcy and we did a lot of stuff together but during like layer time uh -huh. you go to the villain layer or the hero layer and like clockwork years of doing this camp right all of the children that you wish you could take them home when camp 
was over, check villain. <laughs> and all of the kids that got a significant amount of emails to their parents from you over the course of camp checked hero. <laughs> and I was like, we all just want to live for a little while mm -hmm. in a yeah. space that people tell us we don't belong in. Yeah. 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 I, that, and not only that, like, the reason why I think this book is so important and why I think it's going to be massive is because a lot of times when people are saying they, I've talked to so many authors who said that they wrote a book about either like an African-American male you know, main character or a queer main character because when they were growing up, they didn't see themselves in this book. Mm -hmm. yeah. This book, not only can both white and black readers see themselves in this book, but more importantly, and this is the part that like, I am just like, get almost like choked up thinking about, is like, it forced a, these little, like these young, like white, like middle class readers who might never talk to an African American just because of where they're living. Mm -hmm. yes. They're going to learn about this and vice versa. Yes. Like I yeah. just think that's so that's, important. That's, that's our, the goal. Yeah. That's our wildest hope is yeah. that kids will use this as the entry point to difficult conversations yeah. because maybe they don't have the experience. They come from an area that is predominantly white mm -hmm. um, and they don't know and they want to ask and they want to be well-intentioned maybe, but they don't know how or they don't have a story that they can use to enter the conversation. Yeah, yeah and like there has been 50 trillion cumblillion uh, articles that have come out. Cumblillion is like a big number. available to you in the world. There's been a cumblillion articles that have been written that talk about how books nurture empathy in children mm -hmm. and like it takes stories like this to lean into that mm -hmm. notion and hope that kids you know are are like able to do mm -hmm. that and, and give them a place to process and get information and the funny thing is our really good friend Brianna McDaniel who you guys should all read her book hands yes. up because it's epic and amazing mm -hmm. yes. um one of the things that Brie has said so many amazing things I forgot which amazing Brie thing I was about to say <laughs> The bookshelf is infinite? No. She says that's good too, though. Brie always says, she has a PhD from Cambridge, so she's always saying oh, smart stuff. One of those oh, smart people. Yeah, like she's next like, level smart. Yeah, she's like, like next, next level, level smart. Um, but one of the things that um, she always says is that it's really great to be an ally, that mm -hmm. if that's what you want to do, but it's much better to be an accomplice. Yes. Oh, that is really Yes. Yeah. Well, something else that I actually like two hours before you guys mm -hmm. sat down, I was talking to Nefertiti, who I think you guys have both met. Um, Amazing. We're in love with We Nefertiti. adore Nefertiti. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and she and I were talking about the fact that ra you're not born racist. You're not born ignorant. Yeah. You're taught to be racist yes. or ignorant or closed-minded. Yeah. Yeah. And so putting a book like this in someone's hands, again, like... And it might not even be overt racism. It might be like that subtle racism. People don't realize they're being racist because maybe they don't have friends of color or anything yeah. like that. And so putting a book in this and like just having a student be able to read it and say, yes. oh, this is how someone may sound differently than me, but they're also still wildly, you know, educated. And yeah. Just, like, yes. I, I don't know. I, that, I just like can't stop thinking about how important. Yes. Yeah. Ideally, people will be able to identify something in Campbell that mm -hmm. they can't, that it's hard to acknowledge about yourself, right? I love to ask kids the question, is Campbell racist or does Campbell have implicit mm -hmm. biases? And let them process what that might look like mm -hmm. through her, because that might be a really hard thing to acknowledge about yourself. But I bet you could say, I've had thoughts like those mm -hmm. thoughts. I'm not a bad person. I don't want to be a bad person. Yeah. What do I do? That's actually been like one of the critiques of our books. Before, our book before is that um, some of the like um, 
<laughs> that the, some of the white people in the book are subtly racist, and I'm like, that is actually the intention. Right. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. There is subtle racism in the world. Yeah. And people of color recognize it. Yeah. White people need to learn to recognize it. Yeah. Yeah. And we definitely also another thing that's very important to us about this is that um, not only is this book about perspective and 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 race, but really, really significant piece. Um, that I, we hope people pick up on is that this book is about two girls. This book is not the same book with two boys. Right. Correct. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. yeah. Or even one boy, right? Or even one boy. If one of these characters had been male, um, mm -hmm. query whether they would even need to link up that night to feel like they could walk home. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're absolutely, because that's, that's one thing where, again, like, as a white male, yeah. I never had to worry about like walking up. And I grew up in a neighborhood that wasn't great, but I still was like never concerned yeah. about it. Your personal yeah. safety wasn't top of it, mind exactly. all the time. Yeah. Yeah. You can't talk to woman, one woman in the world that won't tell you that when she walks to her car, her keys are out before she leaves the building. Right. Absolutely. Something that a lot of men don't even... Yeah. That's, no, I honestly, it's also a weapon. My, yes. no, my wife tells me all the time, like, <laughs> she'll look up um, if I'm not at home right now and she takes a Lyft or an Uber somewhere mm -hmm. she cancels rides if it's a man and mm -hmm. I'm just like good I, I understand yeah. I get yeah. it it yeah. makes sense to me like, like the subtle racism thing is something where um, I she had told Tepertiti when she stopped recording uh, my roommate in college she's African American and we grew up together and I'm actually I'm from a, a city that's like uh, being white I'm actually, I was actually a minority it's majority is uh, Puerto Rican it's just yeah. this little mm -hmm. tiny like Puerto Rican community <laughs> and um, we went to college together at this place called John Carroll which is predominantly white and people would come into our room and they would talk to us and they would say things that were like subtly racist and my roommate having grown up being African American wouldn't say anything and I would be like I would literally tell people like, "What you're saying is racist." Yeah, and you'd be like, "Excuse me, I need yeah, the floor." Exactly, and like, and then they would leave. And like, but he would tell me, "I'd be like, Brandon, why didn't you say anything?" And he's, he, he was just like, "It's not worth it to yeah. him," which made me sad. Yeah. So that's why I'm hoping this book, yeah, like, kind of implement the work is ours to do. Yeah, we need to do the work. Absolutely. Yeah. It's funny because there is. I don't want to give anything away, but there is a um, one of my favorite moments is there as a section that was like very important to me that was originally in uh, Lena's chapter yeah. that just wasn't necessarily like I He's not here. It, it was like the one piece that wasn't like pushing the story along but I was like a dog with a bone I'm like this is important to me I, I don't know how to express why this this sentiment is important to me but I needed to stay and one of the things that we way we worked it out is like one night Geely called me and she's like don't get mad okay she's like promise <laughs> you're not gonna get mad safe word <laughs> yeah safe word, word. promise you're not gonna get mad I'm like <laughs> Tell me first, and then I'll determine whether or not you are in trouble. Um, <laughs> and she said, that piece that you want to keep, she's like, what I discovered was, I. she's like, I'm going to send you the pages, I moved it. And I moved it into a Campbell chapter, and that's exactly why she did it. And she said, because it is not Lena's job to yes. continue to have to try to fight for this in yeah. this moment. This is a moment where... Campbell needs to wrestle with this. Yeah. Like she needs to deal with this. She needs to come to terms with this behavior. And she's like, so I think it'll we could I think it actually does help the story mm -hmm. if we move it yeah. and let Campbell have to wrestle with it because she should. Right. And I was like, send me the pages and I'll see <laughs> from my golden throne if I agree. <laughs> and she sent it to me and I was like, oh my God, this makes it like significantly more profound mm -hmm. and it here it accomplishes what I wanted it to accomplish mm -hmm. and yes Campbell should be the one that has to wrestle yes. with this moment yeah. when we're done recording I'm going to ask you a moment this <laughs> okay. like, like <laughs> racking my brain I'm trying to figure out <laughs> um, no but I, I think one of the things that like 
really sets the book so far. Like, it's just in my mind, I can't stop thinking about it. Is it does force the plot along just by going back and forth and saying like, okay, this is a situation where maybe Campbell Campbell Soup should be <laughs> maybe she should be the one to push the plot. <laughs> um, but no, I just I really think like like you said, being able to flip a situation, being like actually we'll move this further along yeah. if yeah. it's Lena that's saying that or yeah. trying to figure out how to get from point A to point B kind of a thing and like yes. there's just I don't know there's all these subtle moments where like yeah. there's a, not to give anything away but there's a moment with the police mm-hmm. Campbell's like we should talk to them and Lena's like that's her yes. favorite no, that's we absolutely shouldn't that's my favorite moment in the whole <laughs> that's book that's her favorite moment yeah. in the whole if book if I had to pick three lines that summarize what we were trying to do with the book um particularly about perspective, it's that one, because Mm -hmm. I grew up and the police were authority figures Mm -hmm. to whom I could turn to help, Um, and my whole community felt that way. That is not the experience of the black community. Those are authoritarian figures who might present a threat at Mm -hmm. any moment. And that is, I think, sort of a shocking revelation that you need to have, that just because I view a situation a certain way doesn't make it someone else's experience or truth. So that's, yay! I'm glad you like that. That's my favorite moment. Okay. It's, really it's sure. not a spoiler. It's not a spoiler. I was, not a spoiler. Sure. I was making sure, because like, to me that was the same thing. I was yeah. like, yeah, it's not that spoiler. makes so much sense. Yeah. yeah. If I could, if I could, if I had to pick lines to put on the back of the book, on the jacket, I'd pick those lines because yeah. that is, that's the whole night. Yeah. And this is exclusive to you. No one else has gotten this in an interview. I have not talked about this publicly wow. to anybody or anything like that. While we were writing this book, over the course of writing this book, I was arrested. Yeah. I was arrested and it was over a parking ticket. And it was handled in such a aggressive, aggressive horrible, terrifying way. And the interesting part about it is, is that everyone thinks like if something happens to Kim, like the first call is Geely, right? Like um, it was like, uh, yeah, Vanya and uh, Jesse from YATL were, were with me. And they first instinct was Geely's a lawyer. She's a trademark lawyer, but um, called, called Geely. And as I began to like, I was processing that as we were editing. One of the things that I think was like scary, like made that night, um, when you talk about perspective, like super scary for Geely, is that in in that arrest and the way that they handled me and things that transpired at the police station and all of that stuff, they were aware of how far wrong, like the desk sergeant was aware of how yeah. far wrong this had gone. So they were holding up, processing me as they were basically like figuring out their story. Yeah. So they should have been able to, within an hour of my arrest, been able to find me. They didn't process me for hours. So Geely is on the other end of that, like getting this story from Jesse about how it was handled and then for hours couldn't find me anywhere. I was like missing in the system. And she was like, so I'm like in the cell, like processing all of the stuff that's happening to me. And poor Geely, much like Lena and Campbell, is like doing all of her lawyer stuff in the world to try to find me, to try to get me out, to try to do all this stuff. And I was missing. And she was terrified. Sounds like you guys have a second book to write. <laughs> but it won't be about that. that it won't be about that. Wow. Okay, so we're going to like make a weird left turn. Okay, we're here for it. Okay, we so do that all day long. Of course, the end of our podcast, we like to ask nine questions. We call them the nerd nine. Mm-hmm. Yay! Because I like alliteration. Uh, they're very lighthearted. Okay. Nerd nine, nerd nine, yeah. nerd nine. Don't worry, we'll make a so jingle for you for before this is over. Ooh, okay, I'm going to make you build in this room, and we'll okay. go back and forth so it's fair. So the first okay. one... Start with Kim. 
What is the last book you finished reading? Uh, Motherhood So White. Oh, so good. Yeah. So good. So good. <laughs> How about you? Slay by Brittany Morris, which Ooh. is a September debut, and it's amazing. Okay. Mm -hmm. Do you guys have favorite places to read? To read? Yeah. The airplane. Everywhere. Oh, what a, I can't. What a uh, writerly. <laughs> I carry the world. books in my she purse. She likes to read in the world. <laughs> my life has gotten much easier with ebooks because yeah. I carry them in my purse and that used to get really heavy. This just became a commercial. Thank you. <laughs> uh, do you remember the book that kind of made you fall in love with reading when you were a kid? Miss Susie. It was, I can't remember who the author was, but it was, inner, uh, it was illustrated by Arnold Lavelle and I still have it. That's awesome. Yeah. A Wrinkle in Time. Ooh. That was the first time I saw myself. The nerd girl being a hero. Uh -huh. uh, if there's, what's one place in the world you'd like to travel that you've not yet been to? Thailand, Venice. Mm -hmm. I love when people like know that immediately because if someone were to ask me these questions, she's been selling me on Venice for like months now. Venice is gorgeous. Yeah. If you haven't been yet, it's amazing. While it's still above water. Correct. Sinking yeah. into she's the like, sea. She's like, go before it's gone. She goes soon. Do you have a favorite holiday to celebrate? Oh, uh, yes, St. Patrick's Day. Oh, that's way I have, I have a, one of my good friends from college is African American, and she's worn the same shirt on St. Patrick's Day every single year since college. I'm 33, and since this be on black. And it's my favorite shirt, and she's like, why would I get another one? It's perfect. Yes. Anyway. My birthday is the day after St. Patrick's okay, Day, and I grew up in Chicago where they, like, go all out and, like, dye the, the river, river green. Yeah. And so as a child, I was like, this is my day. I'm living my best life, St. Patty. They literally gave you a whole river. That's amazing. Yeah, they gave me a whole holiday in my mind That's when amazing. I was like five. Like, this is about me, St. Patty's. Wear your green. How about you? This is a way less fun answer. What? Passover. I'm Jewish. Yeah. And Passover like is my Passover. favorite holiday. And absolutely nothing in the world beats masa ball soup. Okay, so. I was, was, that was going to be my next question. Is Because we were talking about my father's side of the family was Jewish. So we yes. did Passover, Yom Kippur, Rosh Hashanah, the whole millennials. Yes. Matzo ball soup is your, is your is your jam. That's your favorite. Hundred percent. Okay. Are you gonna tell me matzo ball soup is not your jam? Because no, no, we're gonna no, 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 okay. 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 I hated matzo ball really soup until I ate hers. It's okay. the best. Yeah. yeah. I'll come down to Atlanta and you can make a matzo ball soup and we'll go to the we'll look at the Muppet stuff. We'll at talk about that the Center for Poetry Arts. Yes. Um, so favorite food. This is so sad. Pizza. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Pizza's wonderful. Yeah. Okay. Mine is French macarons. It I actually did that for your website. Yes. I know it's, a, it's all over my website. I love that. It's on your website. <laughs> it's, so, it. it's, it's such a snooty answer, too. But they're delicious. They're mm -hmm. the perfect cookie. Uh, She's so bougie this week. I am a little bougie. I, 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 I own that, though. Uh, <laughs> coffee or tea? Coffee. coffee. I can tell. <laughs> whole conversation cats, about coffee. Cats or dogs? Dogs. 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 Uh, and then That's if you could have dinner with one person alive or dead, who would you pick? Don't say each other. I know mine. Okay. Toni Morrison. That's a really good one. Would you like to know where Toni Morrison's from? My hometown of Florian, Ohio. Are you serious? She was born there and then like they left, but our little but city still, claimed her. Claim it. <laughs> she was there for like 11 minutes. And we're like, hold Toni Morrison. <laughs> is that on your sign? Is yes, that on your welcome sign? Yes, it is. I just watched her documentary and it is life changing. So good. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm gonna answer. I I actually think I'm gonna go with J.K. Rowling because she is the author that brought me back to kids literature. All of you died. Dig it so hard. Wait, what house are you in? I'm a Gryffindor. My wife's a Ravenclaw. I took the quiz. I was honest. Another Gryffindor. 
Slytherin. I knew that 100%. So hard. Mm -hmm. I, you... Ravenclaw. Absolutely. You said nerd. Absolutely. Super nerd. Yeah. Okay, last question for you guys. What do you hope readers take away from reading this book? I don't know that it's one specific thing. I hope that readers take away from it a willing to make space for hard conversations. Because that's what we did to write about. So perfect. I hope people take away that hood girls can be heroes too. Yeah. Oh my god, that's so good. Ladies, thank you for joining me today. This was so much fun. Thank you. Yes. You're so much fun. You're so much better. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Adam Sokol and Jill Grunewald and presented by Rakuten Overdrive. For more information, visit professionalbooknerds.com. Are you tired of seeing your teen or young adult Struggle on a path that clearly isn't the right fit? Is your teenager confused about which direction to take after high school? The future of work is changing rapidly, and our kids need to know all of the options available after high school so they're empowered to make the choice that is best for them. In each episode, we explore the latest trends that are shaping the opportunities of today and tomorrow. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell. And this is the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast.